Welcome to the Financial Futurist Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Schenker, the Financial Futurist. Bloomberg News ranks me one of the top financial forecasters in the world in my role as the president of Prestige Economics. I'm also the chairman of the Futurist Institute. And on this podcast, we talk about markets, business, and future technology. This is the Financial Futurist Podcast. This week on the Financial Futurist Podcast, we'll talk about trade, equity markets, tariffs, and data. We'll cover these subjects and more on this week's episode of the Financial Futurist Podcast. Earlier this month, the Trump administration issued proclamations for 232 tariffs on aluminum and steel products. The 232 tariffs are a type of national security tariff designed to protect domestic aluminum and steel production, especially as it's seen as a national security issue. These tariffs were followed up last week by 301 tariffs against the Chinese. 301 tariffs were issued in response to a report from the U.S. Trade Representative on Chinese violations of intellectual property. This is the second U.S. tariff that the United States has issued. It was issued on Thursday morning formally, although during the week there were rumors that this tariff would be coming. Thursday evening in the United States, which was Friday morning in China, the Chinese government announced tariffs that would be applied to 128 different kinds of U.S. goods, including tariffs on imports of agricultural products, aluminum, scrap metal, and other products. But these tariffs aren't going to be the end. And before we get too into it, the most important thing to know about a tariff is that it's actually a tax. Another word for this is an import duty. You know, you go to the airport, there's a duty-free store, that means there's no tax on it. You're buying alcohol, cigarettes, perfume, or candy. And the same is true, we're talking about tariffs for other kinds of products. There's no tariff and it's duty-free, that means there's no tax to import it. However, if there is a tariff, there is an import duty and it is taxed. That means if you're in the United States and you've been importing steel or aluminum from overseas, that becomes more expensive. This is something designed to help boost the capacity utilization of U.S. domestically produced aluminum and steel, again, to meet those national security aims. The 301 tariff, however, that was announced last week was essentially punitive and was issued in result of a Chinese violation. But the most important thing to know about tariffs is they're kind of like cockroaches and there's never just one because here's the thing other countries punch back when tariffs are levied on their goods in the same way that there will now be tariffs on more goods coming into the united states that will make buying those goods more expensive in the united states and should in theory help protect domestic industries but it also means that tariffs will likely be raised on goods that the united states exports making our exports more expensive in other countries which will hurt u.s exports and likely hurt the u.s trade balance and could hurt u.s companies additionally there can be some other other unforeseen consequences when you raise tariffs. For example, some companies that purchase steel to manufacture their goods in the United States may already see that Chinese imports are at a discount. Since the tariffs only apply to the raw materials of steel, but not finished goods, this could actually make it more expensive for a domestic manufacturer to to manufacture those goods because now they have to either buy more expensive imported steel or they have to use domestic steel that's more expensive and their finished goods would then compete with what's being imported as a finished good from China. Something that 
doesn't have a tariff on it. So before the imported good from China might have been 30% cheaper, but now with a 25% increase in steel tariffs, that good that's imported may actually be 40 or even 50% cheaper because it will be made with steel that's cheaper overseas and the finished good that's imported doesn't have a tariff on it. All of these are the weird kind of consequences that can happen with tariffs. And there's a lot of economic inefficiency and there's likely to be a lot of supply chain disruption that happens as a result of the changes that have been announced and more changes that are likely coming. And it's not just tariffs that we're going to see from other countries on U.S. goods that are likely to happen next. Other countries are likely to reciprocate. They are likely to punch back to U.S. tariffs. But the U.S. President Trump also said last week that there will be more tariffs coming from the United States. While a lot of people throw around the words trade wars, that seems a bit dramatic, but directionally correct. The move that we've seen in recent decades towards free trade where tariffs are reduced and economic efficiency across international economies is promoted is coming up against a brick wall of tariffs. There's a couple other things I'd share about this. I'm still very concerned about the prospects for NAFTA, something that I went to Washington, D.C., last week to discuss with elected officials, as well as different groups that are tied to the NAFTA issues. This is an important macroeconomic issue because the U.S., Mexican, and Canadian economies have become very integrated in terms of their supply chains, and the importance of NAFTA for the U.S. economy is critical. Of course, it's also critical for the Mexican and Canadian economies. There are a few stumbling blocks that could hinder NAFTA's adoption, and one is timelines, because there's a Mexican election coming on July 1st, and U.S. midterm elections this fall. And then there's other issues like whipping votes on trade is a difficult fact and reality. And the fact that keeping track of these vote counts isn't something that appears to have been done. So ensuring NAFTA's continuance does not appear to be at this point a fait accompli. In fact, I was made actually more uncertain after my trip to D.C. There are significant economic consequences to applying tariffs, which are, as I've noted, like taxes. It can make goods more expensive. It can hurt corporate profitability. It can even engender inflation and make central banks have to raise rates more quickly, which would also make corporate profitability go down as the cost of capital goes up. You can have all kinds of negative economic consequences. But the politics of it is framed in one of two ways. On the one hand, there's a discussion that U.S. tariffs are being applied in order to essentially get the U.S. a better deal on trade than it has right now. The argument is that this is a little bit of reality, but also a little bit of showmanship in order to get a better deal. And the president is using tariffs as a unilateral tool of policy without needing to answer to the legislative branches of government, but he's doing it with the full intent to use all of this as leverage. The counterpoint to that argument is that tariffs and trade and international relations are very complicated things and that they can very quickly spiral out of control. Of course, the hope is, is that in taking an aggressive stance on trade, maybe something good comes out of it, but the risk is that may not happen. And that's the economic realities behind the politics. The IMF has issued growth warnings on these tariffs, while the Fed forecast that came out this week ignored trade. As Jay Powell, the current chairman of the Fed, said, quote, 
the Fed doesn't do trade. We need to realize that the optimistic numbers for growth that are out there are somewhat in a bubble and ignore the risks that trade, tariffs, business uncertainty, and any other related repercussions are not really fully factored into markets. And that's one of the reasons equity markets took such a big hit this week. It's been something we've been warning about. I've warned about in past podcasts, as well as in written notes to clients. There's a lot of risk around this. And the critical floor for the Dow and the NASDAQ is the 120-day moving average. It's been a critical floor we've watched for four years. It was critical for sell-offs in 15. It was critical for sell-offs in 16. And it was critical for the rise in equities from the end of 16 throughout 17 into 18. But last week on Thursday, after the U.S. announcement of the 301 tariff on China, the Dow fell sharply, closing below the 120-day moving average. It was the first close below the 120-day moving average for the Dow since the 4th of November 2016. This is a big deal, and the Dow sold off further on Friday. The NASDAQ, which has been more insulated, we've also cautioned, would not be completely insulated from trade issues and tariff repercussions and reciprocations. It was a bit more supported in recent weeks, but also closed on Friday below the 120-day moving average. In other words, both the Dow and the NASDAQ are below critical floors that have mattered for four years. And the likelihood that things get a lot better in the immediate term seems quite low. In fact, there's a much greater risk that things could get worse as other countries announce reciprocal tariffs, China announces more reciprocal tariffs, and the U.S. potentially announces more tariffs as well, as the president indicated last week that this is just the first of many. This also introduced downside risks to industrial metals prices last week. Aluminum, copper, and a number of other metals on the non-ferrous side experienced significant downdrafts in prices on the these tariff announcements. Oil prices remain more supported. That's more likely tied to the fact that we're rolling up to the period immediately before the summer driving season, which is a critical source of demand that drives the global economy. But industrial metals prices and equities could remain under pressure and could feel more pressure as additional tariffs are announced and more reciprocal tariffs are announced. Each president tries to find a way to use their executive authority with as much oomph as they can without having to go through the legislature. For President Obama, executive orders were common. For President Trump, it appears the tariffs may be. A number of experts I know would say that the issue of tariffs seemed to have been settled by Adam Smith in The Wealth of Nations, a book he wrote in 1776. But here we are in 2018 discussing tariffs and trade. And when it comes to tariffs, just like taxes, more of them is not usually a good thing. I'm Jason Schenker, and you're listening to The Financial Futurist Podcast. In the technology portion of this week's Financial Futurist podcast, I want to touch on a few things going on in the social media side of things. You may have seen stories out this week about Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, which use the data of Facebook users in political campaigns. And this issue dovetails with some of the fake news arguments that have been made recently as how the Russians and others may have manipulated U.S. election outcomes, as well as the risk that these things could continue or accelerate in future elections. Professionals in the space tend to call this sort of use of fake news and data as psychological operations. And there's a definitive risk that this won't just come to U.S. elections in the future, that it wasn't just involved in Brexit, but that you could see it in future elections. Actually, one of the big risks we see in the near term is that these kinds of psyops, this use of personal data, messaging, targeting, political campaigns that are designed to disrupt or isolate certain political entities could be rolled out during the Mexican election, which will happen on 
the 1st of July, 2018. People have seemed okay up until now with social media's use of their data, but this recent set of stories seems to be raising eyebrows. It may be that people are beginning to realize that social media is media, that it is something that you advertise in, and that people are using it for very specific messaging purposes. There's an old saying that if something's free, you're the product, and that's very true for most social media platforms. I think we're going to see this play out further in the future, and I'm not quite sure if in the immediate term we're going to see people's distaste for this use of their data remain, or if a lackadaisical apathy will creep in and people will be okay with it. That remains to be seen, I think, in the immediate term, but in the long around the Europeans are changing the way people's data is used, and this could have a ripple into other countries. Additionally, last year, I had some discussions with officials from countries outside the U.S. and Europe. They were very interested in taxing data. As data seems to have value and it's transported cross-border, there may be a justification for taxing it as an asset. This topic, too, is also likely to ramp up further over time. And it doesn't need to ramp up in the United States. It could ramp up overseas, and that, too, will likely bleed through to policy we see here in the U.S. So we're at a very interesting crossroads for social media and data and their shadow side. In the same way for the economy, we see that trade and tariffs can also have a shadow side. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Futurist Podcast with me, Jason Schenker, the Financial Futurist. You can follow me on Twitter at Prestige Econ and check out my website, jasonschenker.com. On jasonschenker.com, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter to make sure you're getting the latest and most important information about markets, business, and future technology. Until next week.